Hey guys, happy Wednesday and welcome to season two of the Drive Through Moms podcast. I'm your host, Lynn Nitcher. I've always had a huge heart for moms and their lifelong job of raising children, their struggles, joys, and experiences that are so often 100% different from my own. Each week we get to hear the story of an ordinary mom serving her family, community, and the Lord in amazing ways. Seeing the gifts and talents of others and watching how God has worked in their life inspires me daily. We are all in this motherhood game together, and I believe we can benefit immensely from listening and encouraging each other through what God has done in our own lives. What a privilege it is to share these amazing women with you. I'm so glad you're here. Here we go. Happy Wednesday and welcome to Drive Through Moms. Uh, today on the podcast, I have one of the co-founders of Mission Regan. You say it Regan, right? You're saying it right, and I'm so impressed. Well, don't be, because I think I cheated looking on the website and <laughs> listening. I heard on some of the video you guys talking to the little boy, but um, or is it a girl? It's a boy. You're good. good okay. Um, but anyway, I just wanted to uh, welcome you and tell you thank you for being on. Um, we're going to talk a little bit about um, Courtney uh, and her life and then look at the mission that they have started here in the North Texas area that serves the people here as well as um, globally. So I'm so excited to have Courtney Willis from Mission Regan Willis. Welcome, Courtney. Thanks so much for being on today. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. Yeah. So I heard about you guys, um, I don't know, maybe a couple of years ago at church in one of the videos that they do, you know, during the service at some point, um, just kind of a cursory overview about the ministry. Um, but tell us uh, about a little bit of your backstory before we kind of get into that about you and your family, and then we'll dive into kind of what Mission Regan does um, and how you guys got into that. Great. I would love to share that. So. Um, my husband, Josh, and I have been married now for about 16 years. Um, he is a firefighter paramedic. And I started nursing school prerequisites when I was college age and hit the pause button. And so I didn't get to finish. I'm actually finishing now, um, much, much later. But I had a heart for medicine also, you know, very early in, um, but was more focused on family and, um, working in the corporate world actually. So we, um, had our biological daughter, Gracie in 2007 and, um, (laughs) about a year, two years after that, God really, really did a number on our lives. Um, Josh and I knew the Lord and I would say even we're walking with the Lord somewhat. Um, but we, we're doing things our way. And, um, we were really struggling and ended up separated for about six months. Josh is, um, a recovering alcoholic and he went to treatment. And while we were separated, the Lord really, really, I say, I say we found our surrender basically, um, apart. He found his and I found mine. And then we ended up um, dating again and um, renewing our vows. And I think that with our submission that we found, um, really just, you know, feeling like we had no control anymore and just really giving God our lives. um, I feel like God was like, here we go. I'm ready now. I'm ready to do this. So we started praying about adoption um, about a year after that. Um, we knew that we wanted to grow our family and we weren't sure really how. Um, so we, when I was, when I was pregnant with Gracie, it was very complicated, but we could totally have tried again. Um, we just didn't feel like that was the route we needed to go. Um, with that being said, we were praying about adoption. So Josh was like, we're adopting from the United States. That's where my heart is. That's where we need to be. And I just, I wasn't opposed to that idea at all. I just didn't feel like that's where our kid was. Um, and Josh had been on a medical mission trip to Uganda previously before we found our surrender and he was going a second time. Um, 
after he found his surrender, he just felt like he wanted to experience that again with a sober heart and mind. And I, of course, was totally supportive of that. And when he left for Uganda, I just really felt led to pray hard that God would work in his heart. And it just so happened that there was an orphanage down the road from the hospital that they were working at. And um, he stepped foot in there and said, holy moly, our kids in Uganda. <laughs> so he called me and I was actually praying. Like I only had one kid. So I totally was journaling and taking my time praying. And he called right in the middle of it, right when I was praying for him. And he's like, okay, our kids in Uganda. And I was like, yep, I knew it. So by the time he came home, I had figured out all the plan, how things work in Uganda. Um, And miraculously, it's very uncommon, but uh, four months later, actually, we were back in Uganda getting our son, Owen. Wow, that sounds, yeah, pretty fast in terms of the way adoptions typically work, right? Especially international adoption. Um, Uganda is, is definitely different now than it was then about 10 years ago. Um, but it, it was different then too, from other countries. It, we, you could adopt independently. Um, you didn't have to use an agency. So it was quite the whirlwind. Um, it was definitely lots of ups and downs throughout the process, but, um, definitely found ourselves back in Uganda. And <laughs> if there were such thing as coincidence, it would, it would be one, but, um, actually, uh, Owen ended up being in that exact same orphanage. <laughs> wow. My husband was in when he felt like our kid was in Uganda. So, um, which happened to be down the road from the hospital. So we knew that we would be by the hospital and he worked at a pediatric urgent care at the time. And they were throwing out a whole bunch of rocephin, which is a broad range antibiotic. And it was expiring in the next three months. Well, he knew that um, that would be good much longer, but it hadn't even expired yet. So he asked the doctors, you know, hey, can we bring this with us when we go get Owen? We'll be right down the road from the hospital and we can bring it to him. And of course, you know, doctors, they typically like to help people. <laughs> they, right. they're like, yeah, please take it. That's great. So we loaded up a 50 pound um, crate full of medical supplies that we had just collected throughout the time and brought it with us. And we thought that we would bring it all to the hospital. But um, when we got to the orphanage, we met Owen and we met, you know, these other, you know, 50 beautiful, in, I mean, just gorgeous Ugandan orphans. And of course, you know, we were there for about two and a half weeks. So we got to know some of them. And one of them, we just were taken aback by. He was so sick. And I like, I was afraid to check on him at night. We would go tuck Owen in and I would, I was afraid to look in his crib because I just thought he's not going to make it. Um, he had like an IV port in his hand all the time and he, he wasn't really moving a whole lot. You know, he was exhausted. You know, it's so interesting. Sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt you, but it's just interesting when you mentioned the Rosefin, um, I mean, I'm not in the medical field, but I've heard of that just in our own experience. And mm-hmm. when my uh, youngest had an infection, very high fever when he was little, mm-hmm. uh, couldn't figure out exactly where the infection was coming from other than the fact that he had a bad eye infection mm-hmm. um, and had him in the ER and, you know, super high fever, over 104, mm-hmm. um, been sick for a while. And they gave him a double shot of rocephin, one in each leg, and the next day, no fever, eyes were cleared up. I mean, so to us, just going, okay, that was a super strong antibiotic, you know, that was great, but just to know that that was here in the States, obviously something that was very simple um, to have access to, um, the thought of, and especially the thought of, I used to work in a pharmacy growing up in... um, high school and before I went to college and yeah, the expiration dates on, on things that, you know, you know, are going to go a little bit longer, but the things that, that once they expire, you're getting rid of. Um, but anyway, I just, that brought back a memory of having him uh, be so sick and yet really right. 
kind of struck a chord with me of just the access to it. You know, right. being here was just right. so simple. Yeah, it's the big daddy antibiotic, I call it. Just, you know, it's so broad range. It can it can help so many different things. It really is like almost kind of like the miracle drug almost. So you had this little one that you were going to pick up that obviously sounds like God had totally prepared the way in terms of both of your backgrounds. Oh, yeah. Um, from your jobs to your heart desire in terms mm-hmm. of medicine. And yet you feel like you're you're doing these things almost for your own benefit because it's mm-hmm. something that, oh, I love medicine. I love to help people. And then, mm-hmm. okay, now I want to adopt a child. Mm-hmm. And yet you get over there and God even has something further that you hadn't quite experienced or figured out yet. And you meet this little sick kiddo. Um, so what happened in terms of what you took over there and got prepared and obviously laid out in front of you to be able to have the access to Yeah. It's so crazy looking back and seeing how God was so in every single detail. And we were just totally clueless. We had no idea what he was up to. Um, So eventually, once we established a relationship with the nurse in the orphanage, we said, hey, you know, what's what's going on with this one? And um, she said, that is Regan. He will die. And we were kind of like, whoa, okay. Um, you know, that it is a harsh reality sometimes in third world countries that death happens more frequently. Um, they don't have the access to the same things that we have, like you said. Um, and we were just like, whoa, well, what's wrong? And we were thinking in stage AIDS, tuberculosis, malaria, you know, like these, you know, crazy, um, diseases. And, um, she said he has pneumonia and we were like, What? And she said, the doctor has prescribed this. And she pointed to a sheet of paper and it said Rosefin. And we were like, oh my goodness. So we, we joke, we joke every time we tell the story because it's true. Josh like got so excited. He ran to our guest house. I think he tripped over a couple of kids along the way. And he came back and he was like, we have it. We had like 60 vials of it. I mean, we had a good amount of it and she was so excited and she drew it up and she gave it to him and to several others actually as well. But, um, we just watched Regan get better and he just, you know, we have a video on our, on our website of him and Owen throwing a ball down the hill and where he bears weight on his legs for the first time. He kind of like stands up a little bit in the video and it was just such a big deal to see that. Um, and he lived, he lived. So it was pretty cool to see how God did that. Um, we had no idea still that, that God had such a big plan down the road, but we came home and we shared that story with people cause it was so cool what God did. And, um, the next thing we knew, we had some missionary friends leaving or other adoptive families and we would send some supplies with them. And we had a friend that worked at Med City Dallas at the time. And she was like, hey, I talked to our distributor guy and he said he might have some things that y'all can use. And so Josh and I were like, whoa, Med City Dallas, that's great. <laughs> so we go in his like Dodge hatchback caliber and he was like, we're thinking he's taking us to a closet, you know, like to a couple of boxes of medical supplies. And he takes us to the shipping dock and he's like, could you guys use these? And we're like, you mean like that stack right there of like four boxes? And he's like, no, like all that's in front of you. And it was like the whole bay was just full. Wow. And Josh and I both looked at each other and we were like, yep, we'll take it. We had no idea what we were wow. going to do at all. So then you're just starting not not only you're okay, we've got to figure out another way to get this stuff right. home. Right. But now right. what do we do with it? And you could see God going, Okay, this is gonna be bigger and more than you're thinking. And what did what did you do next? I mean, it sounds like it was just kind of starting to snowball in terms of yeah. volume. And so then it becomes this how do I manage this, you know, did you respond with that? I mean, cause a lot of times things like that come up and you kind of question, okay, now what I have not, a, it's a great thing, but now there's a little bit of a problem is what do we do now? You know, did you feel that negative undertone or did you automatically go this is awesome? We'll figure it out. I, it was more doing it with Josh. It's, it's nice because we complement each other really well. He's the visionary he jumps in head first and doesn't question a whole lot. And I'm more of the organizer 
the calculator, the thinker. And so a little bit of both probably happened for both of us. Um, but we both said yes, without even a thought, because we knew that this is where God had led us. Um, right. So basically our garage filled up with medical supplies and we were sending them out regularly with different groups, different mission trips, different adoptive families or people we knew from orphanages. And we came to a point where we were like, okay, we need to, this is growing. So we need to leave jobs and get our 501c3 and raise support and make this a ministry or we need to step away from doing this because it got to the point to where it was just too much to juggle. Between to run your working and everything else with kids. You know, we, we also just, you know, happened to bring home our son from a third world country and are, you know, getting that transition in. And that was really, really hard in the beginning for us. Um, it was just, there were a lot of things that we had to overcome and work through. And um, adoption is the most beautiful thing I have ever done. And um, also one of the hardest things we've ever done. Mm. Um, and I would sign up for it again, you know, if it meant yeah. being Owen's mama. Our, um, our uh, My niece uh, adopted from Korea. Mm-hmm. Um, I listened to that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. She adopted a year ago. I guess they brought him mm-hmm. home in January, and then they're actually in the process of adopting again. Oh, are they? Um, and so they're, uh, you know, number one, it's not cheap. It's very, mm-hmm. ex- it's very expensive, and it, theirs was a longer, more drawn out process. Mm-hmm. But um, did you guys do any of the? So they did the cocooning process once they got home, which kind of went right into COVID because about the time she was going to go back to work. Um, everything shut down and she was like, well, I get some more time, which was great, but mm-hmm. I had never heard of cocooning before. But kind of not, I mean, it was, it was 10 years ago. So, which I can't believe I even just said that out loud. Like I, it, it's gone by so quickly, but it, studies were really starting to be done more and more at that time of uh, on attachment and how important it is to, you know, be the one to meet your adopted child's needs first and those sorts of things. So I would say that we definitely were intentional and careful about those sorts of things, but we didn't cocoon at all. Like we had family waiting for us at the airport when we came home and Um, I'm pretty sure that Owen was on my dad's shoulders on the way to the car. (laughs) (laughs) I know we did that with, with my niece in terms of like, um, you know, we're at the airport and seeing everybody, but it was different from, from that point on, they pretty much did the, you know, um, just a pairing, you know, bonding process, but, um, slept for a while. We, um, we were super intentional about telling family, you know, if he falls, please let me pick him up. Um, you know, we were the ones that fed him. If he had a need that needed to be met, we made sure that we were meeting it. Um, and because we're really close with family, my mom is my best friend and we do life together, um, with my brother and my sister and, you know, everybody helps everybody in my family. And, um, so we had to be careful with that. And they respected the boundaries too. Um, they understood. I'm we're the first to adopt in our family, so it was kind of a new, new thing for everyone. But um, well, and you knew it was a it was just a temporary thing. It wasn't right. like it was gonna. So it's a little easier to you know to understand and and go along with those things and not feel like you're left out totally because you know the the end result and you know why they're doing it. So it's still a beautiful thing. So well, you guys are obviously growing at that point and having to figure out. You know, were you able to? keep it all in your garage? I mean, if you're both getting to the point where you're ready to quit your job and make it a ministry, kind of what was the next step in that process? So that was probably one of the harder parts um, because it required us stepping out in faith and trusting um, that God would provide for our family financially. Um, Raising support will keep you humble. (laughs) It is hard to raise support. Um, 
And neither one of us has ever been in sales or ministry. So we, it was totally foreign to us to sit down in front of someone and say, Hey, God's called us to do this. Will you support it? Um, and I mean, we were having to swallow our pride over and over again and it taught us so much. Um, but we did it. And so it wasn't easy to get our 501c3. It was at a time when, um, a lot of Christian organizations were having a hard time getting their, um, documentation. And Josh would call the IRS literally every day and talk to them. And it was a nightmare, but we finally got it. And raised the support. And, um, you know, before we knew it, we had a storage facility that someone offered to pay for. We had that loaded up and then CoServe gave us a truck for, to, to do pickups and drop offs. And then we moved to 500 square foot warehouse and we were like, wow, this is crazy. It's so big. Then we moved to like 1800 foot office space. Then we moved to 3000 square feet. And in 2020, we moved to an 8,000 square foot warehouse. So, wow. It yeah. sounds like God is completely just walking you through each step and saying, okay, you outgrew this. Well, we're going to outgrow yeah. another, something else. And yet, provided for those things along the way, like the warehouse or the truck or, or whatever. Oh yeah. oh, yeah. And there's just story after story of where God just moved. I mean, it was. It's, it's, it's so cool to see what he's done. And we, we, we're very intentional about really just saying yes to the Lord and putting one foot in front of the other. Now that we've grown so much, we're having to be, you know, it's a, it's a new place for us. Our budget is significantly larger, you know, where we're having to have galas and, you know, do things on a whole different level and scale. So we're having to grow and learn things in that we never thought that we would. Um, but there God's in that too. You know, it's, it's just, it's, it's neat to see how when you're obedient and you just say yes, what he will do. Um, you know, we had friends that we asked to support us in the beginning and they said, you know, I'm sorry, we just can't right now. And we totally understood it. But, you know, we were like, bummer, man. Well, it wasn't long until those same friends were like, okay, it is so obvious that this is not what you're doing. It's totally what God's doing, that we would be crazy not to support you at this point. (laughs) Right. You know, it was funny because I was thinking about this um, today as I was kind of going through and, and praying and kind of prepping and being in a mindset of, you know, being... Uh, available to the Holy Spirit about what we were going to talk about. And um, just thinking about some of the challenges that you have along the way, um, you know, as a mom and uh, just in your family and things that you come up that you see maybe like, okay, I can't do that, right? I don't know how, I don't know where that's going to come from. Um, And sometimes it's like those things that are so hard that God puts in front of you to walk through or that you don't really see the end result um, that the Lord really brought to my mind. I don't know, we're just out of the blue, the verse in Hebrews where it says, um, now faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. And, you know, Noah had no idea about what a flood would really be like, and yet Mm -hmm. God tells him to build this huge boat and Abraham didn't have a child. And yet God told him, you're going to have the descendants like the sands, you know, of the sea and the stars in the sky. And yet God, you know, the Lord asked him to sacrifice his son knowing, but he had the faith that I'm still going to have descendants. So whatever's going to happen, God's going to take care of it. Cause he told me I'll have descendants. And, you know, Moses spent all his time in, in bondage and the Lord asks him to lead the children of Israel out. And yet, he didn't really know or didn't feel qualified to do it, but it's just insanely awesome to see that even when we don't see what's going to happen, how it's going to happen, um, what God's going to do, the scale of what God's going to mm-hmm. do, that um, I think sometimes we look at uh, people in the Bible, maybe it's just me, you look at people in the Bible and think, well, they're, you know, 
They were amazing, godly people, but they were just ordinary, broken, oh, yeah. sinful people like us who felt unqualified. And I yet, it's exactly, you know, it's exactly what you said. They felt they were obedient to something they couldn't see mm-hmm. and that God walked them through um, and was faithful in those things. So I just have to say from a bystander who, like I said, I don't know a lot of y'all's story other than what I've followed over the last couple of years, what a beautiful picture God is painting with mm-hmm. the story that you guys have stepped into mm-hmm. um, that, like you said, is fun to see on the other side of mm-hmm. everything that he's done in the past and kind of had that 2020 vision of where he's worked that you couldn't really see at the time. Okay. Um, but anyway, so I just love it. I just had to say that because the Lord Thank really you. felt led me to think about that today that I'm just, I don't even know you and I'm totally proud of <laughs> I'm totally proud of you because it's not easy, right? To obey something that God calls you to. Yeah. So let me, I'm one of those people that likes to keep it real. So let me just say, this is definitely not easy. Um, It is worth it. It is so worth it. It's much like parenting, really. (laughs) Like I look at my kids now, they're 12 and 13 and I just swell with love. Like, but my goodness, they are tough. They are tough. Um, sure, they're definitely in a tough season too. Oh That's, yeah, you know. oh, yeah. Um, and it's it's not easy at all. Um, I, I don't think anything that's worth doing is easy, really. Um, God has taught us a lot through through all of this, and it would be super easy for us to think that we're good people. Like when you do stuff like this, people often mistake you for like, Oh, the Willis's they're so great. They're good people. Like at the end of the day, we're a hot mess and we're just trying to keep up with what God's called us to. Um, and, and really he's doing this. We are just letting him use us to do his work. And so with that being said, we're human and, you know, it's not always easy to, um, be married to a visionary Um, you know, literally Josh is a hero for a living. He, he is still a firefighter paramedic. So he literally saves lives for a living and he serves and he serves and he serves. And with mission Regan, he serves. Um, we do a lot of international work. Um, and we're actually about to break ground on a clinic that we're building in Zambia right now. Um, we do a lot of local work. Our last year has been crazy. We've, we've, we've grown 15 times with our local work in the last year. Yeah. Um, I wondered what the difference between the local, um, you know, the local ministry distribution versus, uh, globally, what that's been like, like how many countries you guys have been in compared to what COVID maybe did this last year. Yeah. So right now, um, I think the last time we counted, it was 67 countries we've sent supplies to. Um, with partners that we, you know, work with. Um, but the last year, our, well, I, I would say really the last three years, our local outreach has started to really take off. And then now with COVID, it has just skyrocketed. There, There's just so much need in our local community. And it's not just people under the poverty line that need help. Um It's, you know, that's one thing that I just love about, I'm so thankful for that God does with Mission Regan is there are no qualifiers with us. We do not care about any of your, you know, if you have a need and we can meet it, we do. Because, you know, God loves everyone. He loves the rich. He loves the the poor. He loves all races. He loves everyone in different economic, you know, situations. And a lot of the people that we help are people just like us who, you know, we're okay. God is providing. But if our kid is prescribed an inhaler that costs $800 a month, uh oh, (laughs) that's, that's going to be a problem. So we, we, are able to help with that, um, a lot. And a lot of people don't have insurance anymore. They've lost a job or, you know, that kind of thing. So it's really, really grown a lot. I would say now, right now we're probably at about half and half, half local, half international. Um, it's easier to do local work, obviously, because, 
uh, Josh is able to be home more, (laughs) um, with, with Zambia or international trips that maybe he goes on. Um, it's hard because for a long time, my focus was the kids. And so I had to stay home while he got to go across the world and serve. And it's where my heart is too. So, um, there in the beginning, it was tough to, you know, drop him off at the airport and hear about his awesome trip and then, um, you know, handle the kids at a young age, solo, and then, um, you know, still be excited for him, to be honest. Um, right. Right. That was tough for quite some time. Um, and then the kids got older and we were able to bring them with us. And that was awesome. Um, yeah, that's gotta be cool to hear kind of what the kids, you know, what do you think the kids have learned from this along the way and what your hopes are for them to see? um, It is so funny because, you know, Owen is African, literally from Uganda, and he has a taste for the finer things in life. (laughs) He could, you know, he, he likes the nicer things. He just does. It's, and you know, to each his own, that's okay. Um, so he went with us to Zambia in, I think it was 2018. And when it was time to go back in 2019, he was like, you know, I think I'm good. And we're like, what? <laughs> but he didn't want to go back. No, he was like, um, I, yeah, I could, I could live without that. <laughs> and our biological kids like, can we move there? I want to live there forever. And I'm like, Okay. So what we ended up doing was, um, you know, it's not for everybody to, to go and, and serve in a third world country. So um, we worked out for him to go to Pine Cove while we were in Zambia. And it was perfect because he got to grow his faith in a place that where he was comfortable with a buddy of his. And that's awesome. And then our bio kid was able to grow her faith by serving, um, in sub-Saharan Africa. So, you know, it was, it's really cool. I, I do have this, um, a little bit of a concern about our biological kid and how one day she's going to come up to me and be like, so mom, you know, I feel like God's called me to deliver babies in the bush of, you know, some country like Turkey or, you know, something like super dangerous. And I'm going to have to totally, you know, just be cool with what God's called her to. Yeah. But, and that's, and that's hard. It, it still doesn't mean that inside that you would still not go, I know the Lord can handle this and I know right. they're going to be fine and where he calls them to do whatever, I'm but like my deliver babies in Frisco. Yeah. I'm like, they're, they're, they're pregnant women here. Right. <laughs> that could happen here. Yeah. No, I totally get that. Um, yeah, our, we'll see what he does with that one, but you know, it, it was just rough. It was hard for a while. Um, and to, to always have to remember that the Lord has called us to our home first. Um, it's, it's not always easy because it's just growing so much. And um, we have to be, we have an, a new employee who helps so much with this. Uh, she's a godsend. I mean, she is an answer to a prayer that I have prayed for years Um, And she has helped us establish some really healthy boundaries um, to separate home from ministry. And it's been so beautiful and healthy for us. I'm so grateful for her (laughs) Um, because it's really hard not to be, um, not to be able to focus on, you know, evenings at home with the kids um, if your phone's ringing all the time. And, and it's hard too, because the needs on the other end of the phone are real. So, right. but it can be all encompassing. And I think that can be said of really any, anything that is a, like my husband's worked from home for years and mm-hmm. um, been married, oh my gosh, be 32 years in April. And he's worked from home probably, you know, 60, 75% of that. And even just, I worked from home for a while this last year uh, and it took me a while to get used to it because I was like, I don't want to be at home and feel like I'm working. This is kind of my sanctuary. This is my place. I stayed home right. when the kids were little. So I, I was, is a new ball game for me, but he's been really good about being able to kind of compartmentalize like this is my work day. This is my time with my family and being able to draw those boundaries is such mm-hmm. a good thing. So that's, mm-hmm. that's great that somebody has been able to, to walk you through that and kind of setting those right 
boundaries because, like you said, your kids are at an age, um, you know, those teen years are fun. And and I mean, like they really are. I can say that. Yeah. Mine are all out of them and, and done. But um, it's just different stages that require yeah. different mental and emotional um you know, energy to, to where they are. So I think that's, we don't want them to resent that. We we want them to, you know, love serving too. And to the whole reason we're doing this is because we love Jesus and we want to show his love to others. And so we don't want that to be a negative thing for them. Um, So we have to be careful in, um, you know, understanding that their vision or their heart's desire might look differently than ours does, or it might look similar either way. Um, as long as they're walking with him, that's what we want. You know, that we try to fan that flame no matter what it looks like. Um, but we definitely want them to want to serve too. And they're not going to want to do that if, we're ignoring them all day because we're, you know, working. So, right. I always laugh. I don't know if you follow or read Bob Goff at all. Um, Okay. He's hilarious. And he literally puts his cell phone number in the back of his books. And I'm like, how do you do that? I mean, do you actually, because he says he answers if it rings and he's like, I don't care if I know you or not. Like he answers the phone. I I don't know. I think that's great. I don't know that. (laughs) I don't know that. I don't know that I could have that accessibility, but like kudos to Bob. I don't know. Right? I mean, and his, his, his wife is just like, okay. Yeah. That's what she signed up for. Well, let's talk a little bit about like some logistics and just so for people that are listening that, you know, whether they're local or whatever, but let's talk about like, what is the donation and collection process look like? Do um, people, and like, what do you take? What are some needs that you see? What are some things that you, um, always need um just what does that look like and then i know you said that you don't really have a prerequisite in terms of somebody asking but what does it look like on the donation side and then on the distribution side yes okay so the same person that has helped us so much with establishing those boundaries is also a processes and procedures person and she has helped us in this department so much too um we have the most awesome (laughs) procedures now and they just work so well. Um, it's simple, really. If someone needs supplies, we have a link on our website or on our Facebook page or um, we email it and they click on that link. It takes them to a form that they fill out and we look at their form. And if we can meet that need, we set up a time for them right now because of COVID. We have like contact free pickup appointments and stuff. Um, so we are able to do it that way. And basically it's the same way with supply donations. There's a different link. They click on that, fill out that form, say, this is what I have. Um, and then we set up an appointment for them to do a drop off. Um, there are some situations here and there, uh, you know, if it's like a large organization or uh, like we work with a, a team of neurosurgeons that go to Cameroon and we um, usually will send a couple of uh, shipping containers full of supplies. So, you know, there's a lot more logistics that take place with something like that. Um, but it just, it's really cool how, and, and it honestly, it happens way, way more frequently than you would think, but somebody will fill out that supply donation form. And then like in the same day, we'll get a supply request for that thing. And it's so cool to see how God provides for, for people. Um, You just got to see that on a regular basis. That's so cool. It's it's really cool when we get to slow down and look at that and see what he's doing. It's just awesome. Um, and then of course, a lot of it too, we were planning events and, um, that's changed a lot in 2020. (laughs) Um, we have to be a little more creative with events and that kind of stuff and fundraising. Um, we have a box project that is really cool where, um, it's a monthly program where you, uh, basically sponsor the supplies in a box And you get to follow that box. So, you know, every month we'll say, hey, this is what's in your box and this is where it's going. 
Um, and that's pretty cool to get to tell people about that. Um, that's awesome. I love that idea. You yeah. see a lot of people in box subscriptions things where they're like moms that are getting, you know, spoil kind of boxes right. where they're lotions and potions and things like that. So yeah. they're treat boxes, but I love that. Um, a couple years ago, well, I guess it was just last Christmas, um, my husband had back surgery and I remembered, um, about your ministry. And one of the things that the doctor, um, prescribed to my husband before going into surgery was like an, uh, immune boosting drink basically mm-hmm. before he went mm-hmm. in, but it was super expensive. And so mm-hmm. of course we got it. I mean, it wasn't awful, but it was, it was a little pricey, but, mm-hmm. but we got it and he's super picky about what he eats and drinks. And so I thought he is not going to drink these. <laughs> um, I think he drank one. And so I'm like, we have all of these left and yeah. surely somebody can use these. And so I, you know, went to the website, clicked the link, filled it out. And the same thing, exactly like you said, it was super easy. Um, filled it out. I said, Hey, can you take this? This is what I have. And y'all were like, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, set an appointment and then just went and dropped it off. So even things like that, that you would normally just think, okay, this is going to go to waste. What am I going to yeah. do with it? It's paid for. It's not going to expire for a while yeah. and somebody can use it. Um, I was able to at least see firsthand kind of how you guys mm-hmm. work. Mm-hmm. Um, What's the weirdest thing you guys have ever had donated? Oh my goodness. Um, I have so much fun. Like if you ever need a white elephant gift, (laughs) we have got you covered. We have lap bands in the warehouse. I'm like, none of our people are going to need this. (laughs) Oh my stars. We literally weight reduction surgery lap bands. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. Um, we, we literally just give them out as like party favors to volunteers. Um, we have actual heart valves though. Also like, like, um, if you have a heart valve replacement, it's like actual tissue. Um, we, we have those, we use them as paperweights. Um, Oh my goodness. It's crazy. Um, We've, we've gotten some very interesting things throughout the years, but those are two that are pretty unique. Um, are there things that you guys need on a regular basis, maybe that you have a hard time keeping in stock? Or uh, I wouldn't say, I mean, we have things that people need regularly. DME, durable medical equipment, walkers, wheelchairs, um, you know, those shower chairs, um, potty chairs, those are things that we move regularly, pretty much almost daily. Um, you know, those are very popular. Um, somewhere along the way, the uh, social workers at hospitals found out about us. So we get requests very regularly from social workers who have patients that are um, being discharged from the hospital that may not have insurance. And, you know, they need these items when they go home. Uh, so, you know, we get a lot of requests for those items. Um, first aid supplies are one of our most popular section. I would say everybody needs something in that department. <laughs> Up until 2020, the things that cover department is what I call it, um, <laughs> gloves, um, you know, goggles, those masks, those things didn't move very quickly. Um, that definitely changed in 2020. Sure, uh, I imagine so. Popular section right now, I would say. So, what is that you think has been the hardest part about maybe building uh, this ministry from the ground up while raising your kiddos? Um, I mean, it sounds like kind of what you said is learning to set some boundaries and yet um, find that balance between the two. You kind of feel like you've gotten to the point where you've got a good balance on. Mm, I mean, we're getting there. I would say it's definitely significantly better than we've done ever before. Um, And I would say definitely we've come to a healthy place. We, We still have to be pretty intentional about it. Um, I would say probably one of the biggest things that I've struggled with as far as mom, my mom duty, 
with Mission Regan, I would say is to not bring home the stress or, um, you know, for a long time, we were just trying to keep up with it and with what God was doing. You know, we have a board of directors, you know, that, you know, is constantly changing and, you know, sometimes it can get stressful. Um, and I never want to bring that home. I never want to, you know, have a short fuse because I'm feeling overwhelmed. And I think that my personality and me and who I am, that, that kind of tends to be where I struggle. Um, and just trying to do things in my own strength instead of using the Lord's strength to do it. Um, I would say that's probably the hardest part for me um, in regard to mission reading and parenting and putting those together. Well, I think that's hard and kind of a can be a, a mom struggle in general is, and I don't know why, but like when my kids were younger, I don't feel like I had a problem with guarding them from those things that were stressful. But then the older they got and the more they understood, it's almost like, well, they understand. I, I probably struggled with maybe filtering myself a little, mm-hmm. um, at least in front of them and what I, and, and maybe that was, like I said, I, I stayed home for a while before I went back to work, but, um, definitely there's an awareness of, um, you know, being transparent and real and yet not oversharing. Right. Um, and right. in terms of, you know, their stage of life, how old they are, um, and kind of walking through what's appropriate, what isn't. But um, it's definitely an area to, um, you know, that God's walked through with me as well in terms of kind of finding that balance. And it sounds like your husband's very much a, um, like you said, a visionary and looking mm-hmm. at the next thing and where you can help. And a lot of times if you're, for for me at least, if you're a helper, and you always want to help be involved in something else. Um, I could tend to take on too much at varying yeah. times yeah. or say yes to too much at varying times mm-hmm. and then let it over and just kind of knowing what your limits are even personally. Right. Um, but, and then not feeling bad about it. Cause there's so much to feel bad about when you're a mom yeah. anyway. Right. Yeah. You just, I'm telling you that mommy guilt is the worst. <laughs> it's real. It's very real. And yet, you know, there's things now might, like I said, my kids are older and there's things that we talk about now that they're like, mom, I don't even remember that. You know, that I'll go, I'm so sorry. I know I did such and such. And my oldest is 28 and my youngest is 21. And they're like, literally, I have no idea what you're talking about. I'm like, okay, good. Thank you. Thank you, Lord. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. But it's good that they, you know, I think from uh, as your kids grow up and they see you walk through, more importantly, they see you walk through your relationship with the Lord, see you be obedient. Um, and see you struggle too. That that's yeah. that's okay. That they I see you like struggle. Important. Yeah, they see you struggle, and then turn around and come back yeah. to the Lord and see Him yeah. walk you through it. See Him be faithful, um, and see from what you said. You know, everybody walks through something difficult in their marriage from time to time. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you guys are familiar with the marriage core group at church. Uh-huh. Um, yeah. We had the privilege okay. to lead a group the first year they started, and. Um, oh. You know, it was good. It's so yeah. good to sit with other couples and realize that, you know, you you have difficulties at times, but man, God is so good and faithful to walk you through it. Um mm-hmm. and your kids getting to see those things is so valuable. Even yeah. if they don't see it now, you know, yeah. they'll see it they'll see it later. Yeah. And Gracie told me the other day, Mom, I am very upset with you right now, but I, I, I love you. And I want you to know that, but I'm really upset with you. Like, <laughs> I can handle that, babe. It's okay. I love you too. <laughs> That's okay. I know my middle one, uh, she and I are very similar in temperament. And so we tend to butt heads probably more, way more mm-hmm. than the other two. And yet I feel like we've come to a place where it's really, um, she's one of my, the only people that I know that will come back after you've had an argument or had a conversation that maybe got a little too 
personal or heated or whatever, but in, and you always say you're sorry, you know, and you kind of work through it, but she will consistently come back and say, but do you forgive me? Um, And a lot of people don't do the forgive me part. We'll say, Hey, I'm sorry. Let's move on. But there's never that little full restoration of the forgive me. So it is something that I love and it's, it's cool to watch your kids um, teach you things. You know, God says not to look down on you because of your youth. And I learned so much from my children, Um, (laughs) but I love, anyway, I love that. But will you forgive me part? So that's something cool to add. Um, well, Courtney, I am so excited about y'all's ministry and obviously God has been, had his hand on it and you guys have been open, um, to just like walk with him in every step. Um, but I just want to thank you so much for sharing a little bit about it. And if somebody wanted to donate or reach out, um, obviously, like you said, the website or mm-hmm. they can call the office or Facebook and, yep. uh, y'all have an Instagram account, right? We do. Okay. So any of those things, I can share those in the show notes, but is there anything else that you wanted to share kind of before we wrap up? I mean, I think we covered it. I think we covered it all. Well, thank you so much for sharing and just giving us a little insight into how God kind of walked through your marriage and brought your hearts to a place that you did something that you had no idea of what to expect of what was to come and just stepping into faith and God, watching God use it has just been an amazing story for, for me and just for our community. And, um, so I appreciate your time sharing. Thank you so much. Thank you for the opportunity. I appreciate that very much. And I appreciate what you do. I've I've enjoyed listening to your podcast. You're sweet. Thank you. It's definitely been a learning experience. God's growing me and helping me figure out, um, all these technical things that I've never done before, but it's, it's been a fun process. And, uh, He's doing some really cool stuff along the way with different moms that I'm hearing from. So I'm very thankful for it. Thanks, guys, for listening. Until next time, uh, thanks a lot and happy Wednesday. Hey, y'all, I can't thank you enough for listening and want you to know that you have all been prayed for, for real. If you liked what you heard or it touched your heart in any way, I would so love for you to leave a great review on iTunes. But more than that, just share this with other moms that you know that might get something out of it. You can find more information about each of the episodes in the show notes, as well as our links to Instagram and the website at drivethroughmoms.org. Thank you for listening. And until next time, happy Wednesday. Happy Wednesday.